This is the Fat Boys Fantasy Podcast Show, hosted by Bo Finley and Brant Walker. Welcome back to another edition of the Fat Boys Fantasy Podcast. Here, as always, Brant and Bo coming at you. Uh, this week, we're going to do a little uh, roster ranking, and uh, we're going to get into our uh, our My Guys segment, if you will. Um, you know, guys that we really want to own this year. Uh, we may give you a couple different different uh, takes on that. Uh, we'll, we'll get into why those guys are guys that we really want to own. Um, they, we typically try to make them not obvious selections, um, so they're almost semi sleepers in the in the instance. But um, some of them may not be as well. Uh, it, it's just guys that we really feel like are going to have a big year this year, take a big step forward, and uh, the guys that we want to be on the receiving end of that, not facing them. So we'll get into that. Um, first things first, though, uh, Brant, obviously, uh, we just had a draft over the weekend. Yes, yes, we did. Um, we got into a, a league that started out as a 12-man league um, prior to the draft and ended up falling to an eight-man league. So, of course, a lot more interesting, uh, a lot more big-name players on the board. Um, so I think we kind of talked about how we wanted to walk through how our kind of draft took place and, and, and how that went. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You had the two overall. I ended up with the six overall. Obviously, we're going to have a lot of big names. It started as a 10, then he jumped it up to 12, then back to 8. Um, it was, you know, just a free league to kind of mess around. They had uh, some um, winner-take-all, some gift gift for the winner. Uh, so we got in kind of like what we're doing with our fantasy, or with our listener league. Don't forget, get on our Facebook page, get in there. still, uh, I think, four spots available, maybe, maybe a couple more. But I know there's at least four. So uh, – Let's go ahead. Uh, you start at the two, so you go ahead. Who'd you take at the two? Yeah, so at the two, obviously the the one was Christian McCaffrey. He was off the board, um, so it wasn't a whole lot of a lot of deep dive soul searching for me there. I went with uh, Dalvin Cook uh, at the two. You know, Dalvin Cook's a guy who runs extremely well between the tackles, uh, gets a decent amount of touchdowns, and catches the ball pretty well out of the backfield. Um, doesn't typically play a full season. Don't expect him to in a seventeen game season either. Um, but it, it really wasn't anything I hesitated about. I didn't balk. I didn't. Uh, I didn't do any thought process on it. It was just a, a point the point the mouse and, and click on the player and add him to the roster. Absolutely. I came down with the six overall, and I was sitting there, and and I want to hear you explain this one to the well, people. I was sitting there, and I was between Elliot Taylor, and there was still another name on the board that I was looking at too. Kelsey was still there. Kelsey. I was debating on maybe trying to get ahead of the the curve with the tight end, but six was too early. I ended up going Elliott. Uh, most of the times I would lean Taylor. I kind of just went Elliott just um, as, as we said, it was a free league. So I kind of went Elliott to see how he would progress this year, see how it would go with him. I really like the break, the uh, rebound year for him. So this gave me an opportunity to pick him and see it because I don't own him in anything else. Um, on, most of the time I would go Taylor and I, and after doing a little more research and everything else today and over the weekend, I, uh, I've definitely kicked myself already a couple times for it. Um, in my mind, I should have went Taylor. And like I said, I kind of screwed it up because I wanted to see how he was going to progress this year. And uh, I should have just uh, watched from the sideline rather than own him. Yeah, no, I, I definitely am somebody who, who's starting, starting and very early in the infancy of, of getting on this train of thought. That Zeke might be able to bounce back. Listen, Zeke's efficiency rating has never been good. Um, he's never been a, a number one running back on a season. Never finished there. Um, he's usually consistently a top five guy. Obviously, last year he had fumbling issues, and uh, we also saw the emergence of, of Pollard a little bit last year. Um, but Dak being out that hurt obviously too. So it'll be interesting to see what Zeke does as a bounce back. Um, obviously, then at the turn, Walker, you got the second pick of the of the. Uh, um, third pick of the third of the second round. So take us through your thought process. I turn around and uh, there was a few names still on the board there. Uh, I went with the guy that I think has top five upside this year. Uh, I went and I'm, I'm starting my projections. I actually knocked him out today, and uh, and I really like his upside this year and and what he's done. I went with Austin Eckler. It gave me the opportunity to have a pounder and, and Zeke, who still does get a few catches. And um, it also gave me now gave me my PPR stud as my as my running back too. Like I said, once again, eight man league. The odds of that happening on it in your ten and twelve man are pretty much slim to none. But uh, yeah, so I went with my I went with the PPR monster to go after. Yeah, uh, 
Eckler, in my mind, is the most consistent PPR running back out there because he's going to be the guy that gets 75 receptions every year if he plays. Absolutely. I mean, he was he was on he was on pace even the games he played last year. He was already on pace to get, I believe, 82 was roughly the pace. I don't have any of that in front of me right now, but I believe if my memory serves me right, when I did the math, he was on pace to have 82 receptions last year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for me, the uh, the seventh pick in the second round, I went with. Uh, Antonio Gibson, knowing I was going to get get an, another early pick right there at the, in the third round, um, I wanted to sure up my running backs a little bit. Gibson's a guy I have really, really um, high aspirations for this year. Um, I think that uh, you know uh, Gibson's fortunate because he's a, he's a three down back, he's a converted wide receiver, uh, great hands, and he, he's in a Ron Rivera system that we all know how well Ron Rivera likes to pump the ball to his to his running backs. And not only that, Ron Rivera is an offensive-minded head, or a de- excuse me, a defensive-minded head coach, who happens to have a very good running back and a very good defense, should be a, a very high uptick in volume from Gibson for this year. Uh, prior to last year, I had a, a guaranteed for sure, you know, top five running back as long as he's healthy and Dalvin Cook. It let me be a little bit more gutsy on this, so I went with Antonio Gibson. Uh, and then coming back around in the third, this one uh, kind of makes me chuckle a, a little bit here. Um, I was able to uh, to get DeAndre Hopkins at the, the second pick in the third round. Um, so not only did I get two running backs in my mind that could finish easily, one could easily finish top five. Gibson could be a top ten, more expecting to be in between ten to fifteen, uh, but a very high RB two, and then still get a wide receiver one on my roster. I was I was absolutely tickled with that. Absolutely. I came down uh, the draft in the third round, and, and I was able to pull the guy that uh, we both have considered to play, have a high possibility of being wide receiver one this year. I pulled Calvin Ridley. I couldn't let him slide anymore. I didn't want to wait and see if he made the turn. I wanted that solidify. I absolutely love his upside this year. So I pulled Calvin Ridley there, came back around. Once again, I'm going to reiterate it again, eight-man league. I ended up getting Justin Jefferson there at the back – or in the uh, fourth round. Fourth round third pick in the fourth round. So, I mean, sitting with Elliott, Eckler, Ridley, and Jefferson, I was extremely happy with my first four rounds. I mean, there's, I just don't think there's any way to go wrong getting Ridley and Jefferson. They're both going to be PPR studs. Yeah, again, can't emphasize enough that this was an eight-man league. Um, so, yes, there's some names available much later than they should be. So, speaking of that, getting into the, to the back half of the fourth round, I was able to pull, pull Clyde edwards Um guy that could have a huge ceiling this year. Um, wasn't utilized properly last year. We'll see how his role changes this year. But again, owning Cook and Gibson, I was able to take another gamble on on uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire. And then in the first or the second pick of the fifth round, I was able to shore up my wide receiver a little bit with Julio Jones. Um, now I'm not expecting Julio to do anything compared to what Julio has done in his time in Atlanta. Um, not that I I don't think Tannehill is a capable quarterback, but AJ Brown should be the one um, in town there. But in the fifth round, getting Julio Jones, I felt that was a huge value. Um, yeah, I came back in the fifth, and I believe my pick in the fifth uh, was Josh Allen. I went ahead and showed up my uh, QB1. Um, I love his upside. I think, in my mind, I haven't projected to go as or to be the uh, QB1 this year, the number one QB. So I went ahead and pulled Josh Allen, I, and that gave me the quarterback that I always look. I normally don't jump that early for him. But seeing him sitting there and already solidifying my RB1, my RB2, and my top two wide receivers, I said, well, I might as well try to get the highest points possible with my quarterback, too. So I was extremely happy with that. Then I came back around, and I went ahead, and I needed to add some depth because I messed up and realized that Zeke and Eckler both had the same bye week. So I definitely needed to add, add some depth to my running back. So I came back in the uh, – where were we at? Sixth, Sixth in the sixth, I pulled Chris Carson. I love his upside. As long as he can stay healthy, he's going to be the workhorse for Seattle. I absolutely love his upside. So I went ahead and grabbed him, and, and I was pretty happy with that, having him as my uh, as my third running back. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely have to step out a little bit here and say, because I've, I've been a guy who's kind of been um, kind of shy around Chris Carson a little bit, not really a huge believer. The workout videos he's posting, now, don't get it twisted. That doesn't necessarily translate to on-field production. Uh, but it looks like he's doing everything he can to keep himself healthy. Looks to be in the best shape of his career. Um, and even if that doesn't translate to more predict- productivity, if it translates to being on the field more often, 
by virtue, his numbers will get better. So I, de- I definitely like that pick for you there. Chris Carson's a guy that I like. He's finished top 20 running back in all, er, minus, last, minus 2017 where he only played four games. But since he's been in the league, he's been a top 20 uh, PPR stud. So, Yeah, definitely. Uh, in the sixth round, I was able to grab Darren Waller again, eight-man league. I feel like I have to keep saying it because I feel dirty saying Darren Waller in the sixth round. But I was able to get Darren Waller in the se- uh, second-to-last pick of the sixth round. And then coming back on the seventh round, I was torn between a couple things, but I saw one name on the board. Then the seventh round, I felt like it was an appropriate time to take this player uh, and definitely sure up my my lineup a lot. I was able to get Dak Prescott in the seventh round, who, you know, he was on a historic pace last year prior to getting hurt. Uh, obviously, I'm a little leery. Uh, you know, how does this game translate coming off of that? We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But I, I didn't hesitate grabbing him there in the seventh round. Absolutely. No, no blame there. Um, I came around with the seventh, and I believe my pick was Cooper Cup. I went with another guy. That's just a PPR. He gets the targets. I mean, he had. I. I mean, he's had ninety plus reception. I believe every year that he's been in the league. So I went ahead and I went and pulled Cooper Cup. Then I came back around, and this is where I got a little shaky. I, I felt like I had to add another running back, so I ended up adding Chase Edmonds. I mean, the word came out that Edmonds Edmonds should be the one there in Arizona. So. In the eighth round, I went ahead and pulled Chase Edmonds just to sure up, make sure I had four running backs in order to have that bye week fill in that I was I kind of messed up earlier in the draft. No doubt. So in the the eighth round, um, I took Cortland Sutton, a guy who I expect to have a massive bounce back, should be the number one there in Denver. Listen, I get a lot of people are saying, is it going to be Cortland Sutton? Is it going to be Jerry Judy? Drew Locke has an established connection with Cortland Sutton already. Cortland Sutton was fantastic his rookie year. Um, obviously did this last year with the Achilles, right? Yes. Achilles prior to the season, so we didn't get to see him. Or no, it was week one, like first quarter, something like that. Um, and he, he ended up missing time. Uh, and then I came back around in the ninth round, and I saw a name on the board that I've said I'm going to own someplace this offseason. I have to. I'm a homer, whatever. I hadn't had anybody on the roster at this point that was a Falcon. I added Mike Davis um, in the ninth round, who should be the RB1 in Atlanta for most of the season. Yeah, um, absolutely. That's the uh, amazing pick that late in the draft. Um, I mean, he's going – I mean, in a normal 10-man, I think he's sixth, seventh round ADP roughly. So, I mean, in an eight, you got him right there at average ADP. Um, I came back around and I grabbed TJ Hawkinson. He was still sitting on the board. I didn't have a tight end. So I knew I wanted to get a, get what I felt was a top five tight end. So I went ahead and grabbed TJ Hawkinson there at the ninth. Then I came back around and in the 10th, I wasn't, I didn't really like a lot that was on the board and, and there was no draft pick trading. I didn't like anything really sitting there. Nothing stood out to me. I ended up going Robbie Anderson. Um, I went and I, I tried to, figure out who I thought would have the most upside left on the board there. So Robbie Anderson, I think getting reestablished with Sam Darnold, I think will be a good fit for him. So I went ahead and grabbed him in the 10th. Yeah. In the, in the 10th round, I was able to grab DJ Chark. Um, DJ Chark's interesting to me this year because, you know, Urban Meyer kind of came out and said, I'm not that, you know, in love with this guy. Um, leaves a lot to be desired. He's a big-bodied guy, but he doesn't play big. He's, he, he doesn't play fast. And Urban Meyer kind of challenged him to, you know, get in shape and get quicker. And what's he do? He adds about 10 pounds of muscle, loses overall weight, and is much more explosive. Um, so in the uh, the 10th round, I thought that was a steal. And then I was able to come back in the 11th round and grab Javante Williams, a guy who uh, coming in, I don't expect him to have a huge role, uh, but I think eventually he takes over. Um, listen, we don't even know. Melvin Gordon may start the season with a suspension. Um, it's not completely against it, uh, the, the, the possibility and the, the powers to be. Um, so, again, with already owning Dalvin Cook, Gibson, CEH, and Mike Davis, Javante Williams is an easy choice for me here. Absolutely. I kind of stuck that when I had him queued up, ready to go. I really wanted Williams. Um, but I ended up having to uh, improvise here, and I grabbed Debo Samuel, who I think has a good shot at being the uh, wide receiver one if he can stay healthy there in San Francisco. It'll be between him and Ayuk. I mean, obviously, the real pass catcher number one is uh, Raheem Mostert. Uh, George Kittle is oh, what okay. I was going to say. Um, so I ended up grabbing Debo there, and then I came back around, and, and this guy really stood out to me still being on the board was Antonio Brown. I mean, everything he did when he came back or he came 
into Tampa Bay, officially was able to get on the field. He was ju- he just commanded the targets. He, he has the upside to be a possibly – he could work his way back into a top 15 wide receiver again. I, so I was willing to take that risk this late in a draft with him. Yeah, uh, no doubt. My next pick I went with um, Joe Burrow. I wanted to be able to sure up the fact that I, I didn't know how Dak Prescott was going to come back. Um, high pass profile passing offense there in Dallas. So what do I do to sure it up? I go take another guy coming off a big injury um, in another offense where I expect to be a high pass in volume. Um, but Joe Burrow this late made a ton of sense to me um, as a way to uh, to sure up and uh, come correct when it comes to quarterback play. Absolutely. Uh, and then I came back around. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, then I came back around in the next round, and I thought, you know what? This is an eight-man league. I want to take as much advantage. I want to cheat the system. I want to do things that I wouldn't normally do. So in the um, – goodness gracious. I think the, four, the 13th round is where we're at. 13th round? I think. Yeah. In the 13th round, I took – was there, how many rounds was there in the draft? Good gracious. Oh, hang on. One, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. So in the 13th round, I came around and I grabbed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, um, the highest projected defense. Not necessarily sure I believe that they're going to be the highest scoring defense this year, um, but I went ahead and took, took a shot on my defense early. Um, because I knew there was going to be enough big-name players left on the board that I wanted to get some other, other guys late. And some of the guys that I was really eyeballing after ha- already having my roster rounded out weren't guys that I wanted to spend this kind of a draft capital on. Yeah, I came around, and I, I believe this is the round where I pulled – no, I pulled Mike Williams in this round here uh, of the Chargers. I just love his upside there. I mean, if he could stay healthy again, and, and he's going to be the wide receiver too there in a, in a high-powered – Passing offense, I think his upside is just amazing there. Yeah, all the all the the reports coming out of camp are that he's going to be utilized as the X this year. That's massive for his fantasy value. Absolutely. I then came around and I took the 49ers defense. I love their defense. They were banged up last year. I think they're going to come back and ready to go. I wanted to sure up a top five defense in my mind. Their secondary is still a little suspect, but we'll see how that it goes. Pass rush should be pretty nasty again, getting Bosa back. And, yep. Yeah. Um, I then came back around and said, you know what? I've already made a dumb decision to go on defense. Starting that trend, let me start another. And I took Justin Tucker off the board. It was between him and Harrison Butker. Uh, Harrison Butker definitely went the pick right after me. Um, so I don't know if I just definitely started that trend or if, <laughs> if that guy was eyeballing him. I'm not sure. Uh, but I took Justin Tucker, um, shirt, shirt up my starting lineup, and that leaves me two rounds to be aggressive on some sleeper guys that I think will break out this year. Yeah. I then came back. Yeah. We usually only have one more pick, correct? I have two more. Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> so I took – goodness. I took the, the the Justin Tucker there, and then I came back around with a guy who you're going to hear me talk about again a little bit later, probably a couple more times throughout the offseason. You've already heard me talk about him. I took McCall Hardman there. Chance to own another piece of the Kansas City offense late, who um, the word is on the street is he's going into camp as the number two. He doesn't have to keep it. There should be an uptick in his volume as well. This late in the draft, I really enjoyed that volume. Yeah, definitely. I uh, I missed out on um, the player that I really wanted. He went a couple rounds before I was ready to take him. So, um, which I'll talk about that guy a little bit later in this in this in the cast. So here I went and pulled Matt Gay, the the Rams kicker. Uh, I wanted to sure up a kicker there. I knew I needed one, and I think that's going to be a high powered offense. You should get plenty of opportunities. Um, and then I came back around, and, and, and here's where I messed up. I actually just fixed it while we were talking. Um, I took Trevor Lawrence because I wanted a QB for my bye week. Didn't realize he had the same bye week as Josh Allen until after the draft. So I went ahead and I just actually dropped Lawrence, and I picked up Jalen Hurts, who was still out there on the on waivers. But, yeah, I definitely wanted to. So eight, I should, eight man league. Eight man, yeah, definitely. Which I just realized there's a defense out there that I may be switching the Niners out for. The Rams are still on the waivers. Not sure how when they played the Bears week one. But, yeah, so I showed up my kicker and I showed up my backup QB, um, and that that's how my roster ended up. You should have one more pick left because I drafted first in the last round, didn't I? I'm out. <coughs> no, I drafted last in the 16th round. Anyway, because yeah, it was even. Uh, my last round pick is, is a guy that do I believe in a little bit? Yes. In an eight-man league, would I ever own him? No. 
Uh, I had to take him because there was a little bit of a disagreement between Walker and myself and another guy that we may be going in on a big money league, Mr. Urish, who's on this podcast from time to time with us. Uh, and I've been saying all offseason that I believe Daryl Henderson has some standalone value. I still stand by that. I still believe he does. Walker's told me all offseason, if, if you believe it, draft him, draft him, draft he him. won't make it to week one on your roster. I'm not going <laughs> to drop him. I don't care if I go 0-16. I will own him all season to prove a point. Well, just start him as your, wide, as your running back, too. So this is how our eight-man roster uh, came to be. Obviously, there's probably still some big names, as you just mentioned, on the waivers. It was an eight-man. All right, so let's move right on along. And the next thing I want to talk about here is um, we just, we talked about last week we were going to do some some roster ratings, some uh, some health inspector yes. roster ratings, fat boy style. You know how we do on this podcast. Everything is, is uh, through the eyes of a couple of fat boys. Absolutely. And uh, we hate it when our favorite greasy, uh, dirty restaurant gets closed. We can't go get our chili cheese dogs Or our anymore. Christmas tradition gets closed up. <laughs> because of the darn old health inspector. So I was I, I reached out yesterday uh, to Chad, a uh, guy I saw a post about his league. He said, it's my first year doing a paid league and a super flex, uh, 12-man dynasty roster. He wants to know, do I have a shot? He, he knows he's weak at wide receiver, uh, but he wanted his roster broke down a little bit. So I, uh, I told him that, you know, Walker and I were going to do it on the cast today, uh, Brant and myself. So here we are. Let's get right into it, Walker. Um, let, let's talk about um, – his quarterbacks in a super flex. Let's talk about his quarterbacks. You know, he's got uh, Josh Allen. He's got uh, Carson Wentz, Jimmy Garoppolo, Mitch Trubisky, and Jacob Eason to round out his quarterback. So tell me what you're thinking there. I absolutely love that he went out and got Josh Allen. That's, you know, your, your high upside, your, your rushing QB that's going to get your points through the air and on the ground. So amazing that you got that one. And then I love what you did there with getting uh, Carson Wentz. You got your passing quarterback who can scramble if need be, maybe sneak a touchdown here or there, maybe sneak a first down here or there. Um, so I absolutely love those two. I love the fact that you went ahead and backed them up too. I do like that, with, especially with, I think it was – Carson Wentz. No, I think I counted it, and it was 29 rounds, I think is what I counted. Um, so I, I love that he backed up Allen with Trubisky in case something happens. He had backed up Wentz with Eason. That was a very smart move, especially with a very deep draft. Um, Jimmy G, you might be able to get a couple weeks out of before uh, Lance takes over. You may get a whole season. That, that's a gamble that I'm definitely willing to take. I, I, like I said, I, I love your quarterbacks. I think you're a, you're a leg up on a lot of people with those quarterbacks there because I think Wentz is built for a back or a, a rebound year, so he'll be a top twenty QB in my mind. And, and I think, and like I've already said, I think Josh Allen's the number one quarterback. So I mean, even if you get Wentz to finish, you know, thirteen, fourteen. That puts you in conversation. Absolutely. That puts you right there. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think the upside's there. Um, and you, like you just said, it was smart to back up these guys. That way, in case either of them go down, you have the backup. You don't have to scrounge to the waivers. In a dynasty, you have, have those guys. And, and that deep of a draft and, 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 and it being super flexed, I, I couldn't imagine what would be on your waivers right now. Especially with you drafting Jacob Eason, I couldn't imagine you trying to scrounge sure. for a QB. Sure. Um, let's go ahead and go ahead and talk about the uh, running backs here. So for running backs, he's got Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, um, Kalen Balaj, um, Kareem Hunt, Latavius Murray, Jarek McKinnon, Melvin Gordon, Boston Scott, Philip Lindsay, uh, Kylan Hill, Larry Roundtree, and Jamar Jefferson. Uh, you missed – did you say Kareem Hunt and I David sure Johnson? I missed David Johnson. Right, so, he does have David Johnson there, too. So, I mean, he, he's very deep at running back, which is great. Um, let, let's get your insights on it, then I'll, I'll throw my two cents in. Yeah, so um, I, I think running backs are really the, the strength of your roster, um, Chad. I think, um, you know, uh, Alvin Kamara finished as the number one running back last year. I, I don't necessarily see him repeating there. But he's going to be comfortably inside the top five. I fully believe that. Even if Taysom Hill starts, if Jameis Winston starts, even better. Um, Aaron Jones, if Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay this year, which I do believe he's going to, um, you've got huge upside there. Um, and, the, and then, so you've got two running backs there that should finish comfortably inside the top ten. Um, you were able to handcuff both of those with Kylan Hill and Latavius Murray. 
who Latavius Murray on a bye week and a pinch, you could throw him in there. He, he typically puts up some work. Um, we know uh, Kareem Hunt is definitely capable, and I love in a dynasty Kareem Hunt because he may not be there any, after this season. Right. Um, as, as far as your bench depth goes, I love uh, I love Melvin Gordon. Uh, I, I don't necessarily love David Johnson, but I lo- love that you were able to pair David Johnson and Philip Lindsay. So if one ends up being you know the pass catching back over the other, that sets you up well because we all know Houston's going to play from way behind. Um, Jarek McKinnon. Um, there in Kansas City, obviously. He's, he's really the only vet, like, established. I mean, I don't really want to say he's established, but he's well, only – you got to stay healthy to be established. Yeah, but, but I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I, I think running back, you're, you're strong enough in your running back depth that you could definitely trade out of this a little bit, you know, package a couple players together. Um, and and potentially upgrade another position that we might that we're getting ready to yeah. talk about next. We'll we'll hit on we'll hit on some things we think that you could possibly do next. Um, his wide receivers, uh, he like you said, he knows he's a little weak here. His wide receiver one and two is Robbie Anderson and Chase Claypool. And then he had Devonta Parker, Sammy Watkins, uh, Peoples Jones, and Van Jefferson there for the for the Rams. Uh, yeah, you're definitely weak at wide receiver, unfortunately. But I once again, twelve man league. Dynasty, I love the youth that you got with Van Jefferson and Claypool. I think both of them have upside. Uh, Peoples-Jones, especially if they move on from OBJ, and this year or next, you have the guy to fill in. So your youth, I do like. Um, I yeah. The, the, the big the big problem here is there's not a clear-cut wide receiver one. Correct. I, I'm not even sure there's a clear-cut wide receiver two. Um, there's a lot of guys that have wide receiver potential, wide receiver two potential. Uh, if Devontae Parker steps up, um, and, and holds Will Fuller and, and uh, Jalen Waddle at bay. Um, if uh, Robbie Anderson has a similar year to what he did last year, um, and, and if, <laughs> if Pittsburgh had a different quarterback other than uh, Ben Roethlisberger, Chase Claypool might be perfect again. This is a dynasty, so you know it may pan out in the future that, that Chase Claypool ends up being a wide receiver one. Um, but you got a lot of guys that could be wide receiver twos. Um, I, I think with your running backs and your quarterbacks, you're going to be in, in enough games. They may not hurt you, but I don't think they're going to help you win many games. Right. And, and, and Sammy Watkins, if he can stay healthy and, and Lamar does learn how to throw, then that that could be a step up, too, to help you out in your flex spots. I think I looked and it was a three flex, three flex yes. and super. So yes. it's two running backs, two wide receivers, three flex and another QB. Yes. So you will struggle with that a little bit. I think you have enough depth with your running backs and then and with your tight ends too, which we'll get into in just a minute to very well help you out. Um, actually, we'll just jump right into the tight ends. Uh, we got Noah Fant, Dallas Goddard, Cameron Bray, and um, Schultz there in um, Dalton, da- Schultz. Dalton Schultz uh, there in Dallas. So with Fant and Goddard, I think you have two top 10 tight ends. So you could definitely throw one of those in your slot or in your flex. Sorry. Um, so that, that will help you out a little bit there. I think you're good and solid with youth at, at your tight end spot. Um, I, I, I love Fant this year, top top five potential. Goddard, top five potential. So if both of them ball out like they, they can, then that will definitely help you in your flex and help you with that weak spot at wide receiver or give you an opportunity to move on from one of them to upgrade your receiver. We'll talk about that here in just a second. So obviously we went through, we've talked about what we, we do and don't necessarily like on the roster. Now let's talk about what we can do to improve it, okay? Um, I, I think the one thing that you have to do, and you, ha- you, you have the opportunity to do so because of how strong you are at running back and tight end, is to possibly package like a David Johnson or a um, Melvin Gordon or a Melvin Gordon and maybe, you know, Dalton, Schul- or Dar- uh, Dalton Schultz or um, – um, Cameron Brait possibly together and move up in your, your wide receiver or possibly, um, you know, Robbie Anderson and David Johnson and move up as to a better um, wide receiver. Um, you know, I, I think adding a, a higher possible uh, skill set, higher possible upside wide receiver would go a long way on this roster. Um, where it sits right now, I think there's a strong possibility um, – just with it being super flex, if it was not super flex, I'm not sure I would feel this way. But with it being super flex, I, I, I think I'm leaning to like your chances, Chad, to make the playoffs this year. Um, if not this year, the next year in the future. 
Um, it all, all also is going to depend on what you do with your draft picks next year, um, obviously. Um, but I, I think trading for that wide receiver, you know, one or wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside weekly um, would go a long way for your roster. Absolutely. So, so what I'm seeing here is, is if you can't get a trade done, I think Melvin Gordon starts as the RB one there in Denver. So you have a couple weeks to where maybe he'll have good games and you're able to move him. Um, uh, Sammy Watkins, another one who always seems to ball out week one. Well, if he does it this year, then I would try to definitely move on from him. Um, I would try to keep Fant and Goddard. That mm-hmm. way you keep your, your mm-hmm. tight ends there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely keep Claypool, Jefferson, and Peoples-Jones if you could. Parker, Watkins, Gordon, and Johnson are the one names that I would try to move on for. Um, another thing that you can do, I know you said it's your first year being doing a paid league. Um I don't know if you've done any dynasties outside of, you know, free dynasties or anything else. If you start to slide later in the, in the year where you're, you're just, you, your team's not keeping up, you can move some of these guys for other draft picks and you can definitely probably find yourself a future wide receiver one in a rookie draft. Um, so, I mean, I, I do like your chances of, of sneaking into the playoffs in a 12 man league. Um, I'm assuming it's either six or eight man playoffs. So I do, I, w- I would put you in probably the top, six or seven there um championship run is not out of the realm of possibility with with your running backs and your quarterbacks um if you're if any of your wide receivers actually step up and ball out and have a, a wide receiver one year a breakout year claypool has that amazing sophomore year that we see always always once from a receiver or once a year from a receiver so i mean a championship run isn't out of the range i'd definitely be trying to move up and to the um wide receiver one or, or a, a higher end wide receiver yeah, two. If you can avoid trading any of your starters and move up for a higher level wide receiver uh, two or wide receiver one, that's just going to boost your chances of that. Um, so, Walker, we've, we've rated the roster. We've talked about things that could be done to improve. Um, you know, um, at this point, um, it's, it's time, just like we, when, a, when a health inspector goes, and he, he samples the entire menu. He writes down what he does, what he doesn't like, things that it can improve. He goes and looks over the over all uh, portion of the, the, the restaurant, and he's got to do what? He's got to put a grade out. You know, anything above an F, you're serving food. So where are you at, Walker, on a grade here? Oh, you give your grade, and I'll give mine. I'm looking at probably a C here. C plus C would be my grade. Um, like I said, I think you did amazing getting your, your running backs and your quarterbacks, which are – Normally the positions that people are behind, I think you're good there. Uh, we know Wentz has plenty of years left on his contract. If they stick with him, that's to be seen. But you also got Jacob Eason, who may end up stepping in for him. Um, a lot of people seem to be high on him. I haven't dug deep into it yet since they traded for Wentz. Um, Josh Allen, you got plenty of years left with him being a, a top 10 QB, top 5 QB. Uh, Kamara Jones will keep you in the running for a couple more years. Um so, yeah, I, I give you about a C, C, C plus grade there. Yeah, okay. So, um, I, I'm also going to give you – right now I'm going to say it's a flat C. Um, if, if, you know, David Johnson or, you know, Melvin Gordon come out and have better years, obviously, than what, or obviously than what I expect them to, that could, that could boost you. Um, if you were able to trade for a better wide receiver, that would obviously boost you. Um, I think with being a C grade, I st- like I said earlier, I still think you got a good shot at playoffs. It's just going to be how things shake out week to week for you. Um, but I, I, I think um, that that wide receiver trade puts you over the edge where you're comfortably in playoffs. Again, you're going to need some things to go right to contend for a title this year. Um, but it's a dynasty league. Uh, and in a dynasty league, you got to compete forever, not just one year. So uh, don't give up on this year if it doesn't start the way you expect it to. Um, and, uh, you know, good luck to you, Chad. Thanks for, uh, thanks for letting us dissect your roster on the podcast. Again, if anybody else wants their roster broke down, reach out, drop us a line, um, and, and we'd be happy to do that on the next episode. Absolutely. Chad, if you got any more questions, uh, any, any, um, if you get any trade offers or anything, don't don't hesitate to shoot us a message. We'll or get right back six. to you. We'd, have, yeah. we'd be happy to do that as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. I mean, because with your, with your wide receivers, you're going to want to match up base. So, yeah, definitely, if you got any start sick questions, go ahead and hit us up. We have no problem answering them. We're on our phones most of the time after work, so – We'll definitely see it come across. Um, 
All right, let's get into our My Guy segment here. Walker, I know you want to start us off a, a little bit different here, so I'm going to let you take the take the helm. So one of my my guys, he go, he averaged this in a 10-game stretch this past year. He averaged 16.4 PPR points per game in a 10-game in a stretch. He had 10-plus points in nine out of those 10 games, 14-plus in seven of those 10 games. He uh, had 42 red zone touches last year, which finished 13th among all running backs. And he uh, averaged 9.5 yards per reception and uh, had 18.3 touches per game. Who is this guy? I wanted, to, I wanted to do a little quiz here with you, maybe throw out a little question every year or every week. You said it's a running back? It is. He averaged 9.5 yards per reception. Per reception. J.D. McKissick. No, no, do like J.D. No, it's Miles Gaskin. And they're, I mean, they really didn't add anything else to compete with him. They added Malcolm Brown as maybe a red zone threat, but I don't, I don't really see him as much of a threat there, especially if they gave him 47 red zone touches last year. So Miles Gaskin there in that, that offense with that, with the defense that's going to hold most, most teams at bay. They're not, they're going to keep them involved in every game. Miles Gaskin's my guy. He's being drafted in the sixth, seventh round, I believe, was his ADP. Um, he's a guy that you can steal, and he's got RB two upside. Nothing but R, nothing but RB two upside in my mind. Mm-hmm. I think that's his floor. I think his ceiling is if if he ends up taking over that backfield completely, he's got RB one upside in that in that offense. So that's that's a guy that I w- I want to own in every single league that I can. Yeah. So uh, I, I I'm definitely. Um, Miles Gaskin's a guy who I'm starting to, to, to get on board with. Uh, I do think that there's a reason that Malcolm Brown was brought in. Um, you know, everywhere Malcolm Brown's gone, Malcolm Brown's had a role, obviously. Um, so I expect Malcolm Brown to have some role. I don't know whether it'll be a change of pace guy when Gaskin needs a breather. Uh, who knows? I know Sal- Salved Ahmed looked good at times last year, too. Um, but Gaskin should be the clear one there. Should get, I don't know if he'll get three down work early. Um, but I think before the season's out, he gets that. The one guy that I think may knock on his door a little bit this year is Jared Dokes, who they did add in the draft. Yeah, we, we talked about that one day. Uh, he was a late round Sixth draft, round draft yeah. pick, yeah. Uh, the, reason I, the reason I really like Gaskin is, well, you know, when he was drafted, I, I made the comment. That he was Gaskin was also drafted late. I think he was a fifth-round pick. I made the comment that that was Miami's future back. He came out of Washington. I watched him play in college a lot. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Huskies fan. I'm, a, I'm also a Notre Dame fan, so – I don't and don't get that twisted when I do say it later on, but um, I I just think he has he has the upside to and I he also has the opportunity now where there's nothing there to solidify and be that RB one there, so they don't have to waste any more draft picks on a running back early. And I, in my mind, I think they brought in Malcolm Brown because of the fact that Ahmed and Gaskin both missed a little bit of time last year, so I think it was more of an insurance policy. Yeah, um, so. Uh, I'm not going to necessarily play any trivia with you here, um, but my, my my guy is a guy who's who's going into his third season in the league. Um, young running back out of the University of Alabama. We know sometimes Alabama guys take a couple years to develop, um, and that's Damian Harris, the 24-year-old running back there in New England. Um, yes, I know Sonny Michelle is still in town. Yes, I know James White's still in town. Yes, I know Cam Newton's slotted to be the starter right now, and if that happens, Damian Harris's value stays fairly low um all the reports coming out out of new england at this point which can you really trust reports coming out of new england i'm not sure bill belichick's the kind of guy that likes to hold his cards close um and not really give much Uh, but all the reports that are coming out right now is he's going to be the number one in town it's not going to be sony michelle um they already denied his fifth year option with sony yeah so i expect sony to be gone after this year uh in 10 games last year uh damian harris had 137 attempts 691 yards which is five point zero four yards per attempt uh and two touchdowns along with uh uh, five receptions for 52 yards which is uh 10 yards average 10 yards a catch so a little bit better than miles gas on on much smaller sample size of course um but really the upside to me for damian harris is you have to decide for yourself do you believe that cam newton's going to be a 17 game starter if you don't think cam newton's going to be a 17 game starter uh damian harris's value in my mind goes from from running back four-ish uh, to that wide running back three with potential weekly running back two value. Um, if, if Cam Newton's not there, somebody's got to get the goal line work, and it's going to be Damian Harris. 
Um, and if Damian Harris is getting the goal line work, his value ob- obviously shoots up. If Cam starts 17 games, that, that value is not going to be there, and he's just going to be a um, running back four all year. Still a guy you could plug in and play on bye weeks. I expect him to get enough enough carries uh, that you could start him on a bye week and, and be comfortable with it. Uh, but this is more of a banking on the fact that, um, yes, I know I've part of our uh, our big hot shot bet that we put out, our, our uh, wild predict- predictions for this year, that I said I think Cam Newton starts 17 games and can be a top-10 quarterback. Um, but if, if Cam Newton doesn't get back to you know MVP level or can't throw the ball like he couldn't last year, uh, Bill Belichick won't stay with him for too long. It'll be Mac Jones, and if that happens – and you own Damian Harris, he's a guy you can get late in drafts, real late, and whether you want to play him or trade him, once Mac Jones come in, comes in as the starter, the allure around Damian Harris is going to be high enough that you can ship him and get a lot for him. Yeah, I was I was high on Harris last year. I like him coming out. Um, even with Cam Newton as a starter, I feel like Belichick's going to want to take some of that goal line pounding that, that Cam Newton had to take last year off of him. They brought in um, Stevenson, another big back, to maybe help with the goal line work too. So, I mean, that's really what wait and be seen. But, yeah, Harris, I think, is upside even with Cam Newton is is, is way up there, way above his ADP. I, I like him this year. Um, I'm not 100% sure where his ADP is at. Yeah, last year, just for the record, Cam Newton had his second highest career touchdowns. Yeah. Um, his first being his rookie year rushing. He also had 10 in 2015, which is the year they had that wonderful run to the Super Bowl there. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, um, the, the whole allure of, of Damian Harris has to be tied to Mac Jones in, in my mind. Yeah. Um, so my other guy is, uh, he's starting to slowly climb up draft boards. His name's getting out there. I've had him as my guy pretty much since the off season. I was high on this guy coming out. Um, LaVisca Chenault there in Jacksonville. I'd love him. Uh, he finished inside the top 50 wide receiver. He actually finished above DJ Chark last year, and I know Chark missed time. Um, but, yeah, he actually finished above him. He played in 14 games. He's got a new coach in Urban Myers who loves the gadget guy. Uh, LaVisca Chenault coming out, he was he was touted as a top five wide receiver in that draft, but then he had that core injury, and he involved surgery, and I believe he missed most of the combine. I believe he missed his pro day also. So, I mean, he didn't really show his skill – because not a whole lot of people are going to Colorado to watch a wide receiver play. Um, I look to him to, to have a complete breakout this year. I think he'll be used utilized in the running game. I think he'll be utilized in the passing game. I think he could end up being one of Trevor Lawrence's best friends out there. I mean, minus Travis Etienne being on his team, you know, a guy who's been so, with for three years. So I want you to walk me through this a little bit, Walker, because as the guy who owned LaVishka Chenault and just traded him to you this year uh, in the offseason, I want you to walk me through things because – Urban Meyer came in, so there's there's already no attachment to any of the, the players previously on the roster, obviously, right? Um, but Urban Meyer has been on record saying he wanted Kadarius Tony in the spot where they got Travis Etienne uh, and that they expect – I mean, Travis Etienne worked all through rookie camp as a wide receiver. Um, you know, a lot of people are expecting him to have a lot of wide receiver work, a lot of that jet action type of role for, for him. And that's kind of what I was expecting – LaVisca Chenault to be successful at. Now, I'm not saying I don't think LaVisca is going to be successful. You know, I, I like LaVisca a lot this year. But but take me through how that how you keep yourself from being worried about that part. Of it. One thing, I, I think at the beginning of the year, you will see ETN getting a lot of wide receiver work. Um, but I think that eventually ETN is going to wind up taking over the backfield and they're not going to want to spread them out as much. So that's what that's what keeps me involved with the Chenault. I think Chenault's going to end up getting – I think he's going to start on the outside and slowly work into that gadget guy as ETN works into the backfield more often. I still think James Robinson has has very good upside too, but I just I just feel like that slowly the Chenault's going to take over the actual wide receiver spot and ETN's going to take over the running back spot. And so it just keeps me really high on him. I the upside of him, like I said, he was touted as a top five wideout. He now has a whole year removed from that surgery. He gets the opportunity to actually be a hundred percent healthy. Um, Urban did come on on record saying something about Chark early in the offseason. I know Chark has kind of silenced that. Um, I'm not 100% sure what was said or what was done, but it, it was able to silence it. I just I, I feel like uh, you got Marvin Jones there, and I think that's – And gonna, Tim Tebow. I'm not worried about Tebow. 
you'll never ever hear me worry about Tebow. I think Tebow's going to throw for more touchdowns than he'll catch, which is probably one and zero. <laughs> okay. All right. But I think I think what you're going to see is you're going to see maybe game one and two you'll see Chark Jones on the outside, Lavisca and Etn rotating into that slot spot, the gadget spot as I'm calling it over there in Jacksonville. And then you're going to see Chenault take that role full, and I think you'll see ETN take a lot more touches out of the backfield. Yeah, I, I think what's going to happen is that ETN's role is going to be very uh, determined by what James Robinson does early. James Robinson comes out and is what is pro- as productive as he was last year. That may keep ETN being involved as a gadget player, change of pace, you know, a third down back. Um, but if James Robinson stumbles even just once or twice early, I think you will see ETN moved over. It just worried me a little bit how bad they wanted Kadarius Tony there to come in and, and have that same role that you would think LaVisca Chenault would. Now, I know Marvin Jones is getting up there in age, um, so it wouldn't also surprise me to see him uh, be spelled out towards the end of the season in favor of Chenault on the outside because um, Chenault is still a bigger-bodied guy. He's quick. Um, but, yeah, I, I do have very high – uh, hopes for Chenault this year, but I, I just kind of wanted to have you walk me through where you were thinking on that. On that, um, so for me, I'm going to stick with uh, with you here at the wide receiver position. I'm sure you're getting tired of sitting across from me listening to me talk about this guy, um, but as of right now, I don't see any way see any way that it changes. It's McCall Hardman, um, similar to Damian Harris coming into his third year in the league. Um, again, um, walking into one of the highest um, scoring offenses in football. Uh, was very productive uh, at his time in Georgia. Um, very similar skill set to Tyreek Hill, which kind of makes you a little, you know, um, concerned with what McCole Hardman's possibilities are. And he's only 5'10", 187 pounds, so he's not going to blow anybody away with his size. But he's very quick, very quick. And, um, you know, um, last year in 16 games, he had uh, 62 targets, 41 receptions, 560 yards, 13.6 uh, yards per reception with six touchdowns. Similar to what he did his rookie year, uh, only 26 receptions his rookie year for 538 yards, 20 yards per catch, six touchdowns. So the guy has a knack for finding the end zone on his on his limited targets. Um, but um, um, Sammy Watkins is gone, um, and, you know, the reports out of camp there that, that you know, McCole Hardman is going to be um, the wide receiver too in camp there and his ADP is still so low that it's a dart throw you can take. And if it sticks even halfway, you're getting a guy who could be the wide receiver too, maybe the third receiving option and one of the highest scoring uh, offenses in, in the national football league. It to me, it's, it's, it's that um, in itself that, that keeps me so interested in McCall Hardman. I, I had to trade for him last year. I wanted to draft him in our dynasty startup, but where he went, I wasn't you know comfortable um, and, and you guys got to remember, too, another thing um, is, is we're not so far removed from um, the day and age where wide receivers took a couple years to develop. That used to be a thing. Now you kind of see rookie wide receivers come in, get a big role, and explode out the gates. Um, but just a few years ago, it was wide receivers didn't really blow up until their third year. That's kind of where we're at with rookie tight ends now. Their third year, we really start having high expectations for them. Um, so if McCall Hardman takes a step forward and, and doesn't relinquish his role, um, he's going to have a big year. If he stumbles and, and relinquishes that role to Byron Pringle or, or Demarcus Robinson, he may never get it back. McCall Harmon's another guy. You keep mentioning his name, and he's going to start climbing up draft boards here, which is funny because I'm looking at ADPs right now, and, and LaVisca is the 43rd wide receiver off the board. McCall Harmon's the 53rd, which I don't understand because Kansas City's a proven high-powered offense. We're getting a brand-new coaching everything in Jacksonville, so we're not even sure – my mind, McColl should have should have a higher ADP than Lavisca. Both of them have great upside this year. I think uh, owning any part of that Kansas City offense late in the draft like that, you got to love it. It, it. Him having the same skill set as Tyreek doesn't really scare me off. Actually, makes me more excited because you get Tyreek on one side, Kelsey in the middle, McColl on the out on the other outside. Who who are you guarding? Who are you guarding? Who's keeping up with those two well, guys? Neither. Nobody. Nobody, nobody. is. So it, 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 it all depends on who the play's called for, really. Yeah, 100%. And it should be called called for Tyreek Hill at this point. It should be. Yes. Um, but, you know, I think Patrick Mahomes for a long while, um, since he's been in the league, has been desperately looking for that third receiving option. Is it going to be Clyde Edwards-Elair? Is it going to be McCole Hardman? Who's it going to be? 
right now it looks like it's going to be McCole Hardman. And again, for that reason, I'm willing to buy in and pay pay his you know 13th round ADP or whatever it is that he that he's got right now, um, in in order to to own him and have that possibility. Um, and again, it, there's a lot of times when you're doing a draft and, and especially in a redraft, the guys you're drafting that late anyway, you're not expecting a whole lot of productivity out of them to begin with. So um, you get McCool Hardman and uh, he, he pans out for you and it's it's an absolute steal where, where he's being drafted. And, and I'm I'm willing to pound the table and say this is absolutely a guy that I'm, I'm trying to own. I just drafted him in the, in the eight man league. I traded for him in our dynasty. Granted, I only gave up, you know, Golden Tate, a second-round pick from McCole Hardman, and a third-round pick. Um, but you did it last year. I did do it last year. I, it, it's a guy that I that I really want to own, um, and, and the reason I want to own him so much is because the, the asking price is so cheap. You know, if McCole Hardman had a seventh or an eighth-round ADP on him, that may shy me away from him a, a little bit. But with where his ADP is right now, even if it were to climb, you know, to the 12th or 11th round, it's still not going to push me away from wanting to own him. Um, so, you know, I, I think we both put out some quality my guys here. Um, you know, again, Walker and I are not your everyday average podcast where um, where Brant and I are going to put out names and say, you know, if it doesn't pan out, oops, sorry. We invest in these guys ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and we will come on this, this cast and say, hey, we made a mistake. It, it didn't pan out the way we thought it would be, but we're also going to suffer from it. So if you guys take the, the advice that we put out here, uh, it's advice that we're, we're living in as well. We're, we're walking the walk. We're talking the talk. Um, and, um, you know, we have high expectations for our my guys. Uh, and, and they wouldn't be our my guys if we didn't, obviously. Absolutely. Um, Those the, the two guys that I mentioned, I queue up in every draft. Um, I normally don't try to leap for them because I, I hope they fall to their ADP absolutely. or where I like them. Obviously, in the eight, man, I missed out on both of my guys, unfortunately. Um, they went a lot earlier than I thought they would in an eight-man league. But, yeah, I mean, like you said, you own McCole Hardman there. You just traded – I believe you traded for Harrison Dynasty also, too. I did get Damian Harrison this offseason as well. I I traded for LaVisca, which is funny that they wanted Kadarius. It came out after that that we traded pretty much Kadarius Tony straight up for LaVisca. They wasn't pretty much. (laughs) I knew who you were taking, and I wanted LaVisca. So, these guys right here, we have nothing but but, – We're invested in them. We're invested in them, yeah. So – I mean, like you said, you hit it. You hit it on the head. I still have multiple drafts left. We're going to be looking for them in ours. Mm-hmm. Um, our co-own league will be a little difficult since they all seem to follow roughly in the round same, same ADP. Correct. So, but we'll, that's what we got the third man for. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, so uh, again, um, you know, uh, we've got a we've got a plan in place for what we're going to do in the coming weeks. Um, we'll put out another episode next week. Stay tuned. Jump on, join that listener league before you miss your chance at, at some possibility for real cool prizes. If um, if you guys have anything you guys want to hear, hear us talk about, give us a heads up. Get, hit us up on the Facebook. Uh, make a comment. Message us something. We'll definitely look in. And, and if you want to hear something or about, you know, something or our breakdown on something, let us know. We'll, we'll get into it during the week. We'll do our research for it. We'll put it out on the on the next cast or the following cast. We'll definitely get any information you guys want to hear about. Let us know. We, we'll do our best to get it out to you, 100%. And as always, stay hungry. And stay fat, my friends.